Excuse me, sir. You look like a fine, sophisticated gentleman. You're very observant. Have you ever drank beer before? I have on occasion. And did you like it? Never. Did you brew it yourself? I didn't. You know, there's a great little store here in town, Kalihikai, 740 Mo'ova Street, called Homebrew in Paradise. Homebrew in Paradise? Yeah, and what you would do is you drive down there, you talk to Bill and Chris, and you have them hook you up with a homebrew rig. And if you're not into beer, they can help you make wine. They can help you make cider. They can help you make fermented foods. You ever wanted to make kimchi? I do now. All right. We'll get on down to Homebrew in Paradise. 740 Mo'ova Street in Kalihikai. Homebrew in Paradise. If you had to guess, are we Virginia or are we UMBC? Well, I picked Virginia in my bracket, so I know who I am. And I'm depressed. That's yeah. who I am. You know who didn't lose this week? The Auburn University Tiger basketball team. They won a nail-biter against the College of Charleston. College of Charleston? College of Charleston. There's only one. Are they still under FBI investigation? Uh, no, they have never been under FBI investigation. One of their assistant coaches was under FBI investigation. Is he still employed by Auburn University? He was fired upon release of that investigation. So Auburn University men's basketball team is better run than the United States government. One could say that. I'd vote Bruce Pearl for president. I would too. Let's do the drop. I'm trying to tell the world I'm nothing to be trifled with. Staying hotter than some rifles. Yeah. Welcome to Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Josh Michaels. I'm Ryan Little. We got a really good show for you guys today. Yeah. We're going to tell about what we did this week and how the world continues to fall apart. Then we are going to have a Bicky leak again. Then we've got a really exciting guest, uh, our good friend, Dr. Oliver Randall, professor of finance at Emory University in Atlanta, is here to talk to us about everything that's going on with Brexit, with Russia all of a sudden like going full James Bond on random expats living in the UK about Liverpool's advancement to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Uh, the full shebang. We're really excited for it. Well, Josh, let's get started. What'd you do this week? Well, so at my office, uh, we participated in the national, you know, we're not a school, but we did participate in the national walkout to protest gun violence. Nice. Super impressed with all the teenagers around the country. Sure. You know, standing up for what they believe in. Uh, just like Roy Moore, I think the teenagers are pretty great. Uh, but not, you know, unfortunately, not everybody agrees with us. Uh, in addition to the usual cries of crisis actors, you know, George Soros, kids shouldn't be making our policy. One pol Republican politician uh, in Maine, he went right straight to the bottom of the barrel. Leslie Gibson, a lifetime member and GOP candidate running unopposed for the Maine State House, was forced to apologize after an obscene tweet in response to an article featuring a photo of Parkland student Emma Gonzalez. Gibson wrote, there is nothing about this skinhead lesbian that impresses me, and there is nothing she has to say unless you're frothing at the mouth moombat. I feel like the fact that he used the term skinhead lesbian means that he's almost certainly looked for that term on a porn search before. He later suggested that she does not count as a survivor because, quote, she was in a different part of the school than the other 17 victims. Oh, cool. Cool, classy, super yeah. classy. That's Keep like how up. veterans who don't get shot at aren't veterans, right? Yeah. Did you see the thing? Uh, speaking of crazy people and gun ideas you see dylan roof's sister 
Also got caught with weapons. Morgan Roof, 18, a student at AC Florida High School in Columbia, South Carolina, was charged with one count of marijuana possession and two counts of carrying a weapon on school grounds, describing the weapons as a knife and a pepper spray, according to the state newspaper. Roof's arrest came after she reportedly posted a message to Snapchat saying that she hoped students participating in Wednesday's walkout of classes to protest gun violence would, quote, get shot and suggest that only, quote, Black people would be participating in the nationwide protests. Interesting. Now, would it be offensive if I read this in a really bad southern accent? You know what? Just go for it. You're walking out of the allowed time of 17 minutes. They're letting you do this. Nothing's going to change what you fuck you think is going to do. I hope it's a trap and y'all get shot. We know it's nothing fixing nothing but the black people walking out anyway. Does that sound about right? The system really failed Dylan Roof, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this week for me. Yeah. Um, hopefully you did something a little more positive. I did. Did you uh, get arrested? No. So for me, a uh, little different this week. Sure. A couple of firsts. Yeah. Sunday. As we record this on Saturday, you guys don't hear what we do on Sunday. And church. that's really a disservice to you guys. No, not church, actually. I don't think I went to church last Sunday. I went... Oh, I did go to church, actually. But I went scuba diving for the first time. Nice. Isn't it awesome? It's the sickest Where'd thing. Where'd you go? Ever. I went at Hawaii Kai, like out in the bay. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you on the mainland listening, scuba diving is amazing if you've never done it. Hawaii Kai is a great place to go scuba diving. I can't really un- give you an idea of where we went other than to say it's really close to Dog the Bounty Hunter's house. And that should give me some credibility, I think. So I went scuba diving at Dog the Bounty Hunter's house. Nice. Uh, I also, on Monday, went to trivia for the first time at the village bottle shop and tasting room in kakaako at salt kakaako that sounds bougie have you been there before to salt kakaako yeah it's it's super sick as a person formerly in real estate development they did a great job with that place it feels really really cool when you go there it's like it's very hip very trendy very bougie very gentrified it's like well it can't really be keep keep the country country keep town town it can't really be gentrified because it was all warehouses that i think that's literally the definition of gentrified right if it was like something crappy and now it's something good well i feel like gentrification normally has a connotation of uh like taking poor communities who are living there and forcing them out which this was just they just took all the old crappy warehouses there and forced them into newer crappier or newer nicer warehouses out at campbell industrial but like i guess can you can you if can you gentrify a warehouse? If you're an auto parts store, like, can you be the victim of gentrification? Mm. So, uh, listeners who are... Who, Get with us. Yeah, listeners who are more, quote-unquote, woke than us, let yeah, us know. Let, let us know. Uh, I do feel bad if any small businesses lost their lost their land there, but Salt Kakaako is pretty dope. Village tap and bottle shop. Village bottle shop and tasting room is also pretty dope. One of these days, you'll get it right. I'll get it right. Uh, they had really great beer, and they also had a pot pie special hmm. haven't had a pot pie in a long time and there's where daggum good that is that's, that sounds nice uh also another first for me this week i went to restaurant shout out alum silk road cafe the best twice wawa wawa uzbekistan as borat would say dude it was so good yeah it was what'd you get the first time should we be doing this at the end no the okay. first time i went to i got a tabaka Tabaka. It's What's, like a tell us what tabaka like a is. Garlic roasted chicken thigh. That sounds. It was amazing. amazing, and they put a lot of dill on it. It was really good, and then Central the, Asians love their dill. Yeah, and the second day that I went, I got kebabs, lamb mm. kebabs, mm. which I feel somewhat morally conflicted about eating lamb. Why? 
Well, because it's a basically a baby animal, and you cut its throat, and then... it's not. At least you're not eating veal. That's true. Could be worse. So I ate lamb. Tremendous. Delicious. It was really, 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 really good. Cannot recommend that place enough. I'd never been Merchant whenever Street. you shouted it Street. out. Check it out. Yeah. Anybody, listeners, if you're downtown and you want to get lunch with us, we'll go to we'll go to we'll, we'll go to Silk Road with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my God. Uh, that's like was... right. That's really close to our offices as well. Super close. It's literally across the street from the front door of my office. Just like OEC Cafe. Yeah place is dope listeners let's take go us, take us to lunch we'd love to talk with you if you want to talk more about politics with us culture sports anything we'll go with you the impending collapse of western civilization yeah let's do it all right well also today's big day it is saint patrick's day happy saint patrick's day the reinforcing or the stereotypes happy saint patrick's day everyone oh god from, bless us from two irishmen yeah. recording a podcast in my basement and we're very you know today we're going to talk to a murdering english bastard now that we've announced it's saint patrick's day we're going to speak in an irish accent for the rest of the show this is going to get really old really I'm quickly. sorry there's nothing you can do about oh, it there's absolutely nothing i don't know why we sound that's a dadgum disgrace oh i'm so sorry about it uh no that's not true but happy saint patrick's day if you're the type of person that observes it and by that i mean gets really drunk while wearing green i'm not wearing green no one in here is wearing green we're gonna get drunk we can still get drunk. All right, cool. Well? So we already told him what we're going to do today. Yeah. So we're going to hit him with a little bit of quick news. Some quick news. Then we will... Get you with that Bicky leak. And then we'll talk to our guest. Yeah. So let's start the clock. Nine minutes. Well, we're going to start... We have a few local news items, and then we're going to jump to national news because... Because uh, you know. You know. That's what's going on. That's, it's been the biggest news week in history. You guys, I mean, like, our listeners are not, you know, they're not living under rocks. They know what's going on. Yeah, if you haven't heard about it, you're going to. Yeah. So here we go. Three, right. two, one. So starting with good news, the state of Hawaii announced that there will be no sweep at the houseless encampment at Pu'uhonua Owainai on the west side. We did it, everybody. We Great did. job. Congratulations. I, I think Ryan and I could take a lot of credit for this. Yep. We did a six-minute Instagram live video yeah. that had, I think, 45 views. And Pretty sure that we're the ones to thank for all this. Yeah, and we have, uh, stay tuned, coming later this month, our spectacular failure uh, in our first attempt at audio journalism. You're going to really enjoy it. Yeah. So, Natanya Friedheim writing in Civil Beat, the governor assured leaders of the homeless community about 200 people they would not be evicted from state-owned land controlled by the DLNR. Uh, and the governor's office announced they were looking for an alternative vacant site in YNI where the community can relocate to. However, the governor also said there is no federal grant application pending to build a marine education center on the site, as officials previously indicated on March 6. So, surprise, surprise, the DLNR lied. Yeah. Uh, Twinkle Borge, anti-Twinkle, longtime leader of Pu'ohonua, said, Be honest with us from this day on. You guys totally wrecked my life. You guys gave me anxiety, many sleepless nights. Shout out to her for holding through all this. And Andrea Tupola fired off as well, you know, she said to come out here and talk about a federal grant and then all of a sudden this week it never even existed. That's not something our community should have to put up with. Uh, she's absolutely right. And we look forward to following this and, and peaceful, productive resolution being found. Pacific Business News is also reporting that Hawaii has appointed retired U.S. Navy Captain Thomas Travis to lead the state's beleaguered emergency management agency. That is the emergency management agency of, oh my God, there is a nuclear missile heading straight for us. You've only got 15 minutes to live fame. Yeah, so... I think we'll be interested to see how he does. Yeah. Can't uh, do worse than the last guy. Yeah. So we're going to start to bridge. We're bridging to national news now. This is both Hawaii news and national news. Secretary of the Interior, Ryan Zinke. Sucks. Was a racist asshole to Hawaii Congresswoman Colleen Hanabusa. Who is also running for governor. Molly Osberg writing in Splinter. 
Never one to pass up an opportunity to pander to a female political opponent, Zinke tried out some Japanese on Hawaiian rep Colleen Hanabuso, whose grandparents had been interned during World War II. Interned means they were put into a concentration camp for Japanese people. Because for the crime of literally, excuse me, literally no other crime than being of Japanese ancestry. Uh, Hanabusa asked Zinke about grants that had been cut for the historical preservation of a memorial to Japanese prisoners killed in Hawaiian work camps, invoking her own ancestors and a particularly ugly, amnesia-riddled chapter of American history. That was Ryan Zinke's cue to exercise some really excellent diplomatic persuasion. Oh, konnichiwa, Zinke said, smiling, using a term normally meant for the afternoon, to which Hanabusa replied, I think it's still ohayo gozaimasu, which means good morning, but that's okay. So credit to her for keeping it classy. Credit to that woman behind her for giving the biggest, oh my God, did he yeah, really just say really that just, face and Zinke I've is, ever seen. Zinke was already in trouble at this hearing uh, because he was called there to defend um, the park service raising up fees on everything, on all their park entrance fees. You know, just after uh, it was leaked that he spent over $100,000 on a new door in his office. After it was also uh, came out that the entire reason that he's been shrinking national monuments in Utah, uh, the Bears Ears Monument, is to pander to oil interests who just so happen to be disproportionately favoring GOP causes. So Zinke said, when you give discounted or free passes to elderly, fourth graders, veterans, disabled, and you do it by the carload, there's not a whole lot of people who actually pay at the front door. So we're looking at ways to make sure we have more revenue in the front door of our parks themselves. So basically, according to Ryan Zinke, you need to pay more. If you're a disabled veteran, excuse me, if you're disabled, if you're old, if you're a veteran, if you're a if kid, you're a fourth grader. if you're a fourth grader, uh, shame on you for freeloading at our national at our national parks. It's Can not you like, imagine the response if Obama would have said this? They would have crucified him. It would have been Obama hates fourth graders for the rest of his term. But you know, thankfully, nothing else matters. Uh, in good news, Connor frickin' Lamb, a young pro healthcare, anti Republican tax scam Democrat, won a special election in rural Pennsylvania, a seat that went for Trump by twenty plus points. Essentially, people really didn't like Hillary Clinton. Um, there's she was a flawed candidate, but so why wow. was there now? Why was there a special election? Uh, Amy Davidson Sorkin has a great write up of this in the New Yorker. If you remember, uh, supposedly pro-life Republican family values, family values Republican Tim Murphy, uh, he had to retire after texts were discovered where he urged his mistress. His to have mistress. An abortion. He urged his mistress to have a freaking abortion. That's what I said. That's your one. That's the that's one, the one th issue. You're, if you're a single issue voter, that is the issue. So, you know, if you're out there and you're like, well, I don't really like what the GOP has to say, but I'm very strongly pro-life. I'm going to support these people. They don't give a shit about you. They literally don't care. That is the one thing that keeps rural America, which is traditionally very conservative, very religious, uh, from getting over the hump of voting for a Democrat when they know that they're getting just hand-boned by the GOP mm -hmm. on every single bill. They're getting like all of their social services are being gutted. They're stacking, stacking the deck more and more against the rural voter. The one thing is, well, but abortion. And this guy's urging his mistress to get an abortion. Stop getting played, y'all. Yeah. Uh, this, this rings especially true for my family and friends mm -hmm. in Alabama. We've talked about this on past episodes. Doug Jones had trouble getting over the hump against Roy Moore, a credibly accused child molester, because Roy Moore was a credibly accused child molester 20 years ago or however long. And Doug Jones was not ravenously opposed to abortion today. Abortion was the only issue in that case. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding out is that people who are the most outspoken on the issue are frequently the ones who are violating the moral 
the moral causes of the issue themselves. Not shocking, unfortunately. So, uh, how much? How much are you doing on time? Oh, we're doing good. Three minutes. Okay. Um, so you've seen, you've definitely seen this. Uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson fired uh, because he had the nerve to criticize Russia for poisoning Russian ex spies on British soil. The South Korean Foreign Minister. Cuck. <laughs> what? He's a, he's a cuck. Tillerson's a cuck. Globalist cuck. Globalist cuck. The South Korean foreign minister was scheduled to meet with Rex in D.C. before he got sacked. But he's still coming, and he's going to meet with Ivanka instead. This is fine. I guess Ivanka Trump is acting secretary of state. Have we mentioned how we still don't have an ambassador in Seoul? It's unbelievable that we're trying to act like we're going to have any sort of economic Hashtag this is fine. Hashtag this is fine. Everything is fine. Diplomatic yeah. influence over that region that China is just gobbling up piece by piece when we don't have any sort of presence there so pompeo is moving from cia to state mike uh, pompeo we're gonna hear a lot about mike pompeo because he believes some crazy ass things like torture's okay um but speaking of torture uh trump is also nominated to head the cia deputy director uh karen haspel who's like the lebron james of torture she's, she's, she's not she's, she's more like jordan she's more like the bob cousy like she's one of the originators mm, like, she's the she ran she's the the was it the the is it john naismith James, John, James Naismith. James Naismith yeah. of torture. Yeah, she, so she ran the CIA's, right after 9-11, the first undisclosed black site prison in Thailand, where she tortured a whole bunch of folks. Is that the one, you said in Thailand, is that the one where the CIA was videotaping the yeah, torture? Yeah, and then they destroyed the videotapes, and she probably had something to do with it. Yeah. So she would be the first woman to run the CIA, way to smash that glass ceiling, I guess, or girl. smash a terrorist's face into that glass ceiling. Women can destabilize Latin American democracy... And fund roving death squads just as well as men can. Speaking of the Bush administration, did you see Liz Cheney, daughter of Dick, trying to dunk on John McCain, actual torture victim, for being skeptical of Karen Haspel? As if the Cheney family has ever experienced any pain other than wondering if their father's robotic heart will continue to tick. What a bunch of ghouls. So, so she still has to be confirmed by the Senate, but just remember... These are the same people who... Confirmed Overwhelmingly confirmed Betsy DeVos. Betsy DeVos, yeah. So... This is more evidence that in addition to prosecuting the big bankers that melted down our economy, Obama probably should have prosecuted all of the Iraq war war criminals. That's, he's not, you're not wrong. No, and you know, I don't have a lot of faith in the Democrats uh, in the Congress. I think they're still all pretending this is sort of like a model UN type of situation. Yeah. And, you know, nor... Uh, I saw a tweet this week that gave me some peace of mind. It sure. said... You know why I'm not worried about fascism? Because you need at least two to three really competent people in positions of governance for fascism to work. And we don't have that. Oh, that's we just don't saving have it. Grace. Speaking of Wall Street executives melting down the entire global economy, big banks got a big win in the Senate this week. Instead of doing something about infrastructure, healthcare, immigration, or guns, 17 Democrats, including Hillary's running mate, Tim freaking Kane, <laughs> Tim Seabla Espanol Kane. <laughs> looked at everything they learned from the 2008 financial crisis in the 2016 election and decided Wall Street needed more power. Emily Stewart writes in Vox, the provision of the bill that has garnered the most attention is one that would raise the threshold at which banks are subject to certain federal oversight, including stress tests that measure a bank's ability with, to withstand an economic downturn. The bill also exempts small banks from the Volcker rule, which prevents them from making certain kinds of speculative investments with their customers' money. The Financial Times pointed out that banks stand to benefit from the legislation, namely those with assets within sight of the $50 billion range, uh, as they appear to have increased donations to Senate Democrats who support the bill. 
Individuals connected to Signature Bank, a regional bank, have donated 112000 to senators so far in the 2017-18 election cycle, eight times as much as it did during the entire 15-16 election cycle. And seven U.S. senators in the Democratic caucus who voted to advance the Bank Lobbyist Act have up to $2.5 million invested in some of the major companies that are going to benefit from this deregulation. So basically what we're saying is we all like to act like Democrats are lily white and that Republicans are the party of concentrated wealth and inequality. But, you know, even as our centrist Democratic hero, Barack Obama, ruled nobly and scandal free for the most of his eight years, he did almost nothing to prevent the rapid accumulation of wealth at the very top and his legacy is continuing in that regard so we're out of time but i'll just have one last comment on this uh from our hope savior messiah bernard sanders tweeting what issue do you think got more coverage on cnn today excuse me i I should probably do this in the burning accent what issue do you think got more coverage on cnn today the effort to deregulate the major banks or donald trump and a porn star think hard that that wasn't a very good bernie that it was, was more like Bernie. that was aggressive. Well, it was aggressive New York, but I don't know if it was Bernie. You know, what issue? What do issue? you think got millionaires, more coverage? Millionaires and billionaires. Millionaires and billionaires. What? What the? Enough with the what? Airline food. <laughs> In my this, mind, my Bernie Sanders sounds great. You call this? You call these bagels? <laughs> you, call, you call this a bagel? You call this a bagel? I shit bagels that are better than this. <laughs> uh, and that's the news in nine. <laughs> or nine and a half. Well, Maybe 11. It's news closer 11. to 1345. The, the news in 1345. That doesn't have the same ring to it, Ryan. We're trying, though. Blue Hawaii. <laughs> Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Shout out, as always, to our favorite sponsor. That's Homebrew in Paradise, 740 Mo'ova'a Street, Kalihikai. All the best beer brewing equipment, all the best winemaking equipment. You can even make your own fermented food. Cider. We really appreciate their support, and we encourage you guys to go down there. And as always, I know we haven't really pushed on this, but please, please, please like, tag, share the podcast. It really helps. Also, rate us on iTunes. Rate us on Google Play. We're trying to grow the audience. We want to keep doing this. We've got a couple hundred of you guys listening, and we want to make it even bigger than that. So share. um, Share. Please share. Please rate. Uh, It really, really helps. Spread the word. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Vicky Leaks. Yes. What's the hot gossip you've been hearing this week, Ryan? The hot gossip I've been hearing this week is that the Pu'uhonua Waianae sweep call-off was all politically motivated. (gasps) That it was all a stunt to make Governor Ige look like a hero who is a strong leader uh, in a time where he is very ineffective. The Basically, su- the sweep was a false flag. He could have called off the DLNR at any moment, uh, as they are, you know, an agency of the executive branch. He could have told them to not worry about sweeping the camp. He could have done this at any point during his governorship, and he chose to just do it right now after they announced the sweep this week. He didn't even let it build one week because he knew it would be so unpopular. So now he comes in, looks like the hero. His was his chief of staff takes the fall for everything. Is there and this is all of a sudden the federal grant deadline disappears? Yeah. Hmm. Basically the 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 credible rumor is that this was all done as politics to try to make Ige look good because he's flagging right now in the field. Did you know that did you know that jet fuel can't melt steel? I've heard that. 
WikiLeaks that often was an inside job. That's not true. And probably the first thing isn't either. But, but you know, out of curiosity, though, and listeners, please let us know. Do you think there would be an appetite in Hawaii for the sort of like Alex Jones Infowars? You don't think so? I don't think so. You don't think that that's like, because if this whole like podcast thing doesn't work out, maybe we got to go that route. We just turn into a conspiracy site. Yeah. Yeah, we can, we can look at it later. Okay. So we have a new special feature for everybody this week. This one's called It Can Only Be Jared. It can only be Jared. Jared Kushner, White House Senior Advisor, is a busy boy with lots of responsibilities. He may have lost his security clearance, but plenty of people still want to talk to him. And he wants to talk to them too. And if they happen to have a spare, oh, $600 million around, you know, that wouldn't hurt either especially if it could help save some distressed uh, real estate property. This is It Can Only Be Jared. It can only be Jared. Russian ambassador Sergei Kislyak. When he needed something done, who did he go to? It can only be Jared. Russian oligarch Sergei Gorkov, head of Russia's State Bank for International Development. When he wanted private audiences with top members of the Trump administration, who did he call? It can only be Jared. Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman. When he wanted to talk about Mideast development and get uh, foreign aid from the United States. It can only be Ambassador Yusuf Al-Otaiba from the United Arab Emirates. I don't know what he did, but you're getting the picture. It can only be Chinese state-run insurance company Anbang. When a young, desperate White House employee is looking for some quick cash. It can only be Mexico's diplomatic corps. When they're looking to talk to your racist-ass father-in-law? Who do they go to? It can only be the Mossad. Enough said. It can only be Israel's biggest pension fund insurer. Enough said. It can only be Citigroup. Enough said. Private equity firm Apollo. Enough said. Private equity firm Blackstone. Enough said. Bernardo Realty Trust. Not to be confused with the fan company. Enough said. Former Qatari Prime Minister and billionaire investor Sheikh Hamad bin Jassim Al Thani, the Finance Minister of Qatar, over a hundred other unnamed foreign contacts that were omitted three separate times on a security clearance application. When they wanted stuff done, when they wanted to contact the United States government, when they didn't want it to be official, when they wanted to have influence over us, the way we spend our tax money, the way we run our foreign policy, and get not, and it's not entirely, you know, they get something out of it too. Apollo got exactly got a sweet exemption from the tax breaks. Qatar did not play ball and suddenly found itself uh, subject to a Saudi-led blockade. So, basically, if you want to go to Jared, you can still find him at the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Even though he has no security clearance. For now. And that's... It can only be Jared. Thanks for playing. It can only be Jared. Welcome back. Aloha, friends. We are pleased to have with us today Dr. Oliver James Randall. James is my middle name, too. Oh, coincidence. An assistant professor of finance at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. He holds a PhD in MPhil, Master's in Philosophy in Finance, from the Leonard N. Stern School of Business at New York University. Just picture the three parentheses on each side. An MS in Statistics from the University of Chicago. And a BSc with Honors in Mathematics from the University of Bristol in England. His research focuses on asset pricing and market microstructure, market development, and risk management. Oliver has also previously worked for Deutsche Bank and the Royal Bank of Scotland. 
couldn't get in at the Royal Bank of England. It's very competitive. <laughs> I will now quote at length from Dr. Randall's seminal work, Pricing and Liquidity in Over-the-Counter Markets. That we actually have no idea what that means. We're just going to have to ask We're not going to read it. We're no. not going to read it. Ollie, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oliver, you look very eager to get started. I am. You can't see because it's a podcast, but I am sitting in the athletic position. Why is that? It's because with any interview, and you'll know this if you read the book, The Perfect Interview, is that um, you're- Why did you read the book, The Perfect Interview? Because I'm a poor interviewer. (laughs) (laughs) I needed all the help I could get. Um, And one of the tips is that you should sit as if you're- Imagine me sitting in starting blocks at the start of a 100-meter dash. Take your mark. And um, I'm ready to burst out of my chair, ready to go to work. Yes. And talk some economics and Russians. Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Oliver, you know, you are English, but happy St. Patrick's Day anyway. Thank Uh, you. Also, happy evacuation day. Uh, Today commemorates the evacuation of British forces from the city of Boston following the end of the siege of Boston. Hell yeah. In the American Revolutionary War. So we're glad you're here. This is an important occasion. It is. That's the main reason I time my trip for that. (laughs) And uh, we wanted to also wish a happy belated Commonwealth Day to the 2.435 billion people Bound together by the dream of getting their stuff back from the British Museum. <laughs> Happy Commonwealth. Thank you. So, Oliver, uh, you are now in the U.S. This makes your, what, 12th year? I have been here 12 years. Yeah. And fun fact, so I'm currently a green card holder. Oh. Congratulations. But I calculated that if I, the earliest I could vote in a presidential race, I'd have to be a citizen first. And I would have had to have lived in the U.S. for 19 years. Now, 19 is bigger than 18, as I'm sure we're all aware. That's true. Which Is this... <laughs> hold on. Let me just check this. Check the map. We went to the stats. That is true. 19 is bigger than 18. It. That means when I washed up on the shores of Lake Michigan in Chicago 12 years ago, say that the Republicans knew I was going to vote Democrat, they would have time to grow a new Republican from birth, cons- woo them, conceive a child because, because life begins at conception that's if you're true. a republican that's right and um eradicate the vote that i may or may not get <laughs> in seven years time is this uh does this have anything to do with extreme vetting were you extremely vetted there was a lot of paperwork yes yeah. Okay. yeah what about all those no-go zones in london can you comment on those you can go anywhere in london that's not what we hear that's not what we hear on fox news no well i watched the news and they said you can't go a bunch of places because there's brown uh, people brown they people sh- are very angry it sounds like i i don't i don't i mean they only get angry when you don't buy curries on brick lane <laughs> and then they offer you a better deal and then they're much happier now's a great time to note that oliver's views do not reflect the views of his employer emory university but speaking of great curries uh royal thai garden of a beach mentioned the blue hawaii podcast get 20 percent off no no better time than the present for a plug so tell us about brexit basically why'd you let him do yeah, it i remember i remember in june 2016 as this was happening uh the world said well it can't possibly get any stupider than brexit that's the stupidest decision any country is going to make this year. To which America said, hold my porn star affair. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it was a bad decision. Um, all right, that's all that needs to be said. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> so, Oliver Randall. Next week, we'll be joined. <laughs> now it's time for my Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, okay, let's talk about Brexit. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, it, it, was, it was not a referendum that I feel the country was clamoring for. There was some vague anti-immigrant sentiment, but no one was thinking we should get out of the EU. Yeah. This Except all, Boris Johnson. It, well, and Nigel uh, Farage. 
Boris Johnson came late to the party because he saw it as a way to move politically closer towards his primary ambition of being prime minister. But he was pro-EU until he realized that he, there might be an advantage to being on the opposite side. Now, Farage was obviously always head of UKIP at the time mm-hmm. and, and wanted um, to get out. But it was really the, the conservative backbenchers that were putting pressure on the prime minister and the party to... Um, to start thinking about backbenchers being the people who are not in power in the government correct right so yeah. not ministers uh, members of parliament for um, those of us who don't know how the british government works can you explain it in 20 seconds or less we just do whatever the queen thinks is in the best best for the country <laughs> so, as, I before that. as i understand <laughs> it what happens is everybody votes it's kind of a free-for-all several different parties uh, exist in the country. They each have several different candidates in the government. And as any good functioning government should, they build coalitions across different parties. And... Coalitions are quite new. It's only um, the, in the last a couple of elections ago that really started. Um, usually one party has a, a majority. But the Conservatives had to form a coalition with the Lib Dems a couple of elections ago because... Which Lib Dems does not mean what Lib Dems means Liberal Democrat in USA means... Bernie Sanders, I guess? Uh, Yeah, like basically, you know... We believe in free health care. Well, even like Liberal Democrat, if you listen to Fox News, can mean anything from... Pol Pot to Barack Obama. That's true. So, uh, what's the, what's a li- what's a liberal Democrat in the UK? Well, it's hard to know what they stand for anymore. I same here. They used to be the one major thing was in favor of free college tuition. That was their big thing. And then, as soon as they joined up coalition with the Conservatives, they conceded that. And so now I don't really know what they stand for. But they they used to be, I'd say somewhere between the conservatives and the labor party um all three parties i would say are to the left of the democrats here really even the conservative even theresa may's conservative party i mean the, the conservatives they during the financial crisis they raised taxes on the rich they're definitely in favor of free health care even the uk independence party the most right wing of um if you can call them a major party major parties they're still in favor of free health care so yeah just not for those immigrants not no exactly not not for the immigrants right that's true anyway so so th- three ma- with well, the three major parties you've got conservatives labor um the lib dems in scotland you have the scottish national party uk independence party gets a lot or a, a decent percentage of the vote but because of the first past the post system in voting for mps they've had very very few uh, MPs and the ones they have had have been defectors from the Conservative Party. Yeah. Anyway, so what, for whatever reason, we decided to have a referendum and no one thought that Brexit would happen. So the betting markets leading up to it were saying there's only a 30% chance of Brexit happening. That doesn't sound familiar. That's to... exactly what I believe uh, <laughs> Nate Silver was giving President Trump's chances yeah. of getting elected. There you go. And even on the day, that 30% chance down, went down to a 10% chance until the first results came in, and then it swung completely the opposite way. Um, so people weren't expecting it. But there was you know, anti-immigrant sentiment was one thing and then from an economic perspective i mean i guess the why do people not like immigrants part partly there's elements of racism but also the 
EU had opened up more to the uh, Eastern Bloc. Mm-hmm. So like Bulgaria, Romania. Poland. Poland. Tens of thousands of Polish people arriving um, in the UK every year. And typically, those people work harder and for less money than a lot of the native Brits. Sounds familiar. We've heard that song before. And so you can understand if you're a plumber working in East London, you don't want that extra competition, regardless of whether you think whether you uh, care culturally about the country changing, which you maybe do as well, but you're concerned about your own job. Mm-hmm. Now, people weren't thinking about nurses. The, we rely very heavily on uh, nurses from the EU, non, non-UK countries in the EU. Um, and what we've seen since Brexit is the, the number of new applicants from the EU to be a, a nurse in the UK has, has plummeted dramatically, over 90%. That's not good. Uh, right, exactly. That's not good at all. And the health services have been, has been struggling a lot. So it's, uh, yeah, that's really tough. So the Office of Budget Responsibility just put out a study and they said, outlining the cost of severing links with the EU is going to involve the same amount of government spending and will basically save no money compared to as if the UK had voted to remain. So what is what is the economic benefit? Like what is if if you're if you're pro if you were pro leave and you still are pro leave, mm-hmm. what are you saying is going to be the payoff? Well, um, one way to think about it is we are freeing ourselves from some European regulation. Um, that's the positive side of things. That maybe. For instance, in financial services, where uh, London and the UK is very strong, that maybe because we're freeing ourselves from some of these regulations, that restriction of that constraint will allow us to be more competitive than we would have been otherwise. But it's hard to think that putting everything together, that Brexit is going to be an economic success. And certainly before the election, you know, you, you go to the World Bank, the IMF, the Bank of England, the UK government, they were all estimating a, a net loss. Don't do it, don't do it. Right. And, and interestingly enough, I was talking to this uh, to Ryan about this yesterday. The government, uh, before the Brexit vote, estimated that on average, uh, UK households would be worse off by £4,300 uh, per year in GDP About 5500 bucks. That's right. But they, the government actually started dropping that f- number from their campaign because voters did not believe that number. They thought, first of all, it was too high, but also they thought £4,300 was too specific a number. Don't trust experts. Right. They would rather it was a rounder number. It's almost like our two countries have a lot in common. I, th- I feel that's true. I feel there's some special relationship between us. Something, yeah. Not anymore, there's not. <laughs> not, a, not after the Not if Donald incident. Trump has anything to say about uh, it. Uh. So do you think, do you think, so one of the big things um, when people were voting remain, the big thing a lot of people were concerned about is losing the freedom of movement. You know, right now in the EU, British passport holders uh, can basically walk in anywhere, no visa, no custom line. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the future of that? So I think it's, it's not, I think we'll f- we'll figure out a deal there. I think it, it um, it'll maybe there'll be a bit more of a wait, a bit more paperwork, but I don't see it being such a big deal there. Um, the issue is that we need we need uh, skilled workers certainly in the UK, and any increase in bureaucracy there is going to put people off coming in. Mm-hmm. But the issue is, um, and this is why I think I think a reasonable reason to have voted 
um, for Brexit is that we had about 300,000 people on net immigrating into the UK every year. And so that's the size, the size of a, a decent sized city every year coming in. Um, and we had no way of controlling our borders from the EU. And there was talk of maybe Turkey entering the EU, which is another 75 million. And with expansion of the EU, there's concern that that number is going to keep going up. But I think the thing is when people blame immigrants for an awful lot of things that are not their fault or you know, it's only have a very small effect. Right. So we're familiar. We have the exact same thing. You know, the, the immigrant is simultaneously too lazy to work and stealing our job. <laughs> right. Now, here we have the other issue is that we have very strong social services. And so anytime the NHS isn't functioning well, mm-hmm. the free national health service, then, oh, it's the immigrants coming in, they're taking beds away from British natives. Or, you know, transport is overcrowded and too expensive and it's the immigrants. Or housing is too expensive, mm. oh, it's the immigrants. And, you know, 300,000 out of a country of 60 million is a very small percentage. And it has some effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly the the infrastructure spending hasn't kept up with the the number of extra people in, in the country. And at a time of austerity, you feel that particularly. But I think it, it, it's, more to, it's more to do with, with austerity and trying to reduce the national debt than immigration directly. And on average, immigrants in the UK bring more money into the country than they're taking out. So they're net positive economically. Talk to us about the Irish border. Right. Okay, so... What's you, going on at the Irish border? So remember that... You know, now when we're talking about terrorism, we're usually thinking about Islamic terrorism. When I was growing up, terrorism in the UK, it was all about the IRA um, and the troubles in Northern Ireland. Now, thankfully, that we have a much more peaceful situation now than we did 10 or 20 years ago. But the issue is that Northern Ireland is part of the UK and the Republic of Ireland is part of the EU. And if we're going to have limits on immigration between the EU and the UK now, that means we may have to have some sort of border between southern Northern Ireland. Um, That's a problem for a couple of reasons. First of all, politically, we want more unity in Ireland, not not less. And then economically, there's an enormous enormous amount of trade that happens across that border. Mm -hmm. And so you need people to be able to drive across that border uh, frictionlessly. And that's just one of many issues that hasn't been worked out. And we're almost two years after the Brexit vote, and we're only one year away from Brexit actually happening. And it's still unclear on that and many other issues, like what the resolution is. Ali, changing gears a bit, what brought you to the United States, to this great country? Were you fleeing taxation without representation like we were? I have that, that I fled to taxation without representation. I certainly pay tax every year, and I'm waiting seven years on yeah. to be able to vote. Well, but, we also kind of feel like we pay taxes without representation at times. I would say the number one factor was probably the OC. So I was sitting in London in my um, big share house in St. John's Woods, and watching the OC on TV and it was this you know beautiful backdrop of Southern California California 
a great song too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I thought the dream was. I was like, I'm going to come to America and I'm going to have a big house and I'm going to live on the beach. And so you went to Chicago. I went to the University of Chicago. Who's no beach. No beach. Well, uh, well, Michigan. Michigan. Okay. They do have beaches, but um, you can't use them most of the year. Um, and the tagline of the University of Chicago is where fun comes to die. I believe that. I'd watched, I'd grown up watching all these college movies uh, in the US about these crazy frat parties and the, uh, the fun lifestyle. And then I went to the University of Chicago, which is a much more serious place than I realized. And then you followed that up seeking even, even more better weather uh, by going to New York City. That's, that's right. So I love an award. And um, <laughs> University of Chicago has more Nobel Prize winners than any other university in the world. That's its claim. Well, NYU Tisch School of the Arts has more Oscar winners hey. than, than any other department. But you didn't go to Tisch. You went to Stern. That, you that, missed, did you miss your calling? I, I, we'll gloss over that. <laughs> um, but I did. Here's, here's a link to some economics. I, I had some friends who had been to the film school at NYU. And they one year invited me to their Oscar viewing party. And I thought beforehand, well, I'll look up online who are the favorites for the, um, for the Oscars. And I got all excited because I could look on the UK betting sites and I could see what's called a, a limit order book on the bets. So you can see what are the odds on either side of the market, either as, um, as a punter betting or if you're a bookmaker. And you can see not just the best quotes, but behind the best bids and asks and I could see the depth and I got all excited and nerded out about that anyway it turned out to the party um, and it turned out they were having a competition to see who could predict the winners of these Oscar categories and I said to the hostess who I didn't know but I'd invited by one of the guests I said look I I shouldn't play this game I've looked up the favorites online she said oh don't worry you know everyone could have done that it's public information um, and so I said okay you I, crushed it I crushed it <laughs> <laughs> There are 24 categories. I think I predicted 21 out of 24 correctly. Ooh. And all these film majors, the best score was like 11 out of 24. Yes. Hard science or and social science. And Oliver Randall was never invited to that party again. That is a true story. <laughs> <laughs> I was not invited back. Um, so, uh, you know, a Pyrrhic victory. Yes. Yeah. So far, living in the U.S. for 12 years, what's your favorite part? It, it's um, it's tough to choose. So let me say the f I, what I did not realize before I moved to America was the sheer scale of the country and the diversity of landscape of of people, um, all these different things of climate. I mean, I've been in Hawaii now for um, a week and a half, and it it really is paradise here. It's hard to believe it's part of America, but it is. Um, but it's also not. It's also kind of not. Which is the best. Well, yeah. I appreciate the British flag being part of the yes. Hawaiian flag. Yeah. So actually, since you took us down that road, uh, we'll, we're going to jump ahead. We had, I had a few more British questions for you. But we're going to... Do you want to play a little trivia game? Let's sure. play a trivia game. Trivia. Trivia. All right, so this, uh, I'm proud of this one. This is, we've crafted, just for Ollie, a trivia game, basically testing, see how well he knows the historic connection between Hawaii and Britain. And it's it's big. It's a, it's a significant it goes connection. Back, uh, it goes back further than our connection with the U.S. So, question one. Who is Captain James Cook? An explorer, controversial among... I, I thought he was controversial just in Australia and New Zealand. Oh, my friend. No. He is controversial oh. everywhere. No, they didn't like him here either, he is, as you'll uh, find out if the, you the read first, up. The first ever 
fucking howly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, well, anyway, yeah. So, uh, in 1778, he became the first European to make formal contact with the Hawaiian Islands. He did not discover them. He did not discover them. Attempted, basically, long story short, attempted to kidnap a high chief and was beaten to death in the short break. Brah. Brah. No ack. Howly. <laughs> okay. Question two. Who is Admiral Richard Darton Thomas? Sounds English. Quite English. You, you're, Sounds you're right naval. So Two for two? Two for two, yeah. That's as far as I go. So Admiral Richard Darton Thomas was commander-in-chief of the Pacific Station for the Royal Navy, flying his flag on the HMS Dublin from 1841 to 1844. And on February 10th, 1843, one of his subordinates, Captain George, Captain Lord George Paulette, landed in Honolulu and tried to occupy us and tried to annex us. What happened to him? He was relieved of his command after a five-month occupation. Rear Admiral Thomas... Sailed into Honolulu on his flagship HMS Dublin and requested an interview with King Kamehameha III. This is, I'm reading entirely from Wikipedia right now. Please don't blame me if this is incorrect. Kamehameha III was more than happy to tell his side of the story, and a new treaty was negotiated, giving British subjects in the islands, quote, perfect equality with the most favored foreigners. On July 31st, 1843, Thomas raised the Hawaiian flag in place of the Union Jack at what is now Thomas Park in Honolulu, formerly ending the occupation and gave a speech affirming the independence and sovereignty of the Hawaiian kingdom and the friendship of the British government. So, thank you. You should know that better, Ollie. Yeah. I should. The next of, time I come back, I'm going to read up on my Hawaiian one of our first better. One of our first foreign heroes, Admiral Thomas. Did you take him to Thomas Park? No. Apparently, like, the way the park is laid out, if you look at it overhead, it Which looks like... Which one is a, that? That's the one, uh, Ward and Kinau, where It's where Occupy Honolulu lived, if you remember, oh, like... Oh. Isn't that one got a big fence around it right now? I don't think so. I think I think that's it. Right? Oh, are they are they re, are they refurbishing it? I think or they something? are. Yeah. Oh, okay. Couldn't take them there if I wanted don't to. Don't take them. Don't take them at all. Okay. Question three. So this sort of ties into the previous one, but why does Hawaii's flag have the Union Jack in it? Bigger question. Why does not every flag in the world have a British flag in the corner? You guys tried. That you tried. Is the most British question yeah. you could have asked. Oh. You have, do you have a flag? Yeah. That's Eddie Izzard. That's Good an quote. Eddie Izzard. Solid yeah. quote. Yeah. We are the only U.S. state flag to feature the flag of a foreign country. Uh, it does not date back to Admiral Thomas, but there are actually various accounts of this early history. Supposedly... King Kamehameha I flew a British flag, probably a red ensign given to him by British explorer Captain George Vancouver, of whom Vancouver, Canada is named after, as a token of friendship with King George III. And we've kind of been loving it ever since. Good. Now, we don't want the Scots to spoil it, because what's going to happen if we, if, this, if, if, if Scotland... Scott exit? If Skex... Scout... Scoutland? If, <laughs> they're scout i don't potentially, know potentially the c would be silent and be sexit sexit right if that happens then we the 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 union jack may lose its navy blue color that's true and what's going to happen to the hawaiian flag we'll keep it we'll keep it okay last question what does sir thomas more have in common with king kamehameha the fourth I don't know. They're both saints in the Church of England. Interesting. Yeah. I am technically Christ christened and confirmed into the Church there of England. There we go. That did not come up. There wasn't <laughs> a lot. wasn't a big entry test. Just they let anyone into that. In, 
1860, Queen Emma and King Kamehameha IV petitioned the Church of England to help establish the Church of Hawaii. Upon the arrival of Anglican Bishop Thomas Nettleship Staley and two priests, they were both baptized in, on October 21st, 1862, uh, and confirmed in November 1862. With her husband, Queen Emma founded the St. Andrew's Cathedral and St. Andrew's Priory School for Girls, and laid the groundwork for an Episcopal Secondary School for Boys, originally named for St. Alban, later renamed Iolani School. No ko'oi, baby. Wow. That's where I went to high school. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm a little, you know, Church of England, you got to take it where you can. We didn't go, I didn't go to those weekly chapel services for nothing. Okay. Oliver. Oliver, you your... did not get any questions correct. Uh, he got the Captain Cook question correct. Oh, that's true. Okay. That's true. You're well, one for four. We're, you're one for four. But... You like awards and we've got an award to give to you. It is the Blue Hawaii Podcast Most Favored British Person in the World Award. So, I appreciate that. Congratulations. Also, as I'm sure you're aware or unaware, uh, because of grade inflation and the curve, we've decided oh. to give you a B plus. That's fair. That's that's my average grade that I'm <laughs> required to give out by the business school curve at Emory. All right. So uh, speaking of the business school curve yes. at Emory, uh, Oliver, we reviewed your Rate My Professor oh profile. Dear. Oh, dear. And to, I mean, I have to tell you, You've got a chili pepper. I, is that true? Can we fact check that? You know, I'm just, listeners, uh, I'm looking at Oliver Randall in the face right now, and I'm... Giving him a chili pepper. I would give him two chili peppers. Well, give it online, Josh. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sorry. Let's, listeners, who's, if you're listening who's podcast, to this... Oh, no, 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 no. Whose podcast is this? It's Who, yours. Do I tell you what to do on your podcast? <laughs> no. Thank you. All right, Ryan, please yeah. proceed. It's my colonial roots. I'm just so used to giving orders. <laughs> if you're out there, listeners, uh, go to ratemyprofessor.com, Emory University, Oliver Randall, and give him a chili pepper. Can we talk about the history of the chili pepper on my profile? Because Ryan, this came up. So Ryan and I met. We took improv classes together in Atlanta. GD, right? We did. And between scenes, we got chatting, and we were talking about somehow my Rate My Professor profile. And I was saying how disappointed that I didn't have a chili pepper there. And so Ryan said, well, first of all, he's going to write me a good review. And then he said he would give me a chili pepper. Now, sure enough, a few days later, a chili pepper appeared on my profile to say that I was hot. Did you look specifically because Ryan told you? or you I was refreshing you said, it every day. You refresh yeah. that thing every day. Yeah. And then a few days after, another review had appeared and my chili pepper had gone, which means that that reviewer had given me a negative chili pepper to take me back down to no chili pepper. Some people, you know what? Don't take a per- Some people are just vindictive. I've That's... been told before that I wouldn't have a chili pepper. And it's, you know, you just got to take it and roll with the punches. Uh-huh. So yeah. if you're out there and you're wondering whether to take Oliver Randall or not at Emory University, go for it. Especially if you're enrolled at Emory. Like, don't just show up. Yeah. Like, these, the tuition's quite expensive, I imagine. It's very expensive. I need them to keep paying this money to fund my salary, so... And uh, that and Coca Cola. Shout out to Coca Cola. Can we shout out Coca Cola? No, yet. you're at the not wrong yet. point yet. in the not podcast, yet. Ollie. Okay. Soon, soon, <laughs> soon. This guy. One last question uh, as an Englishman mm. and an Englishman living uh, abroad, yeah. are you concerned that you may be poisoned by a Russian nerve agent at your home? I feel that only happens in Britain. I feel, I feel America is a sanctuary from Russia. Except for you, except in the electoral process. That. Yeah, you might think that. <laughs> Well, half the country was happy with half the com- country was happy with the Russian intervention. Oh yeah. 
So less than half. Basically, basically for for, for <laughs> lost the popular vote. Uh, for listeners who may not be tracking right now. Basically, the Russians tried to assassinate this guy that was a former spy that was going to cooperate yeah. with Western authorities. A whole bunch of people are mysterious. A whole bunch of Russian expats, specifically, with problematic ties to the Kremlin, are turning up dead all over England. Politico describes London as the, quote, de facto capital of the post-Soviet mafia state. Does that sound right to you? No. <laughs> it sounds right to me when I watched Rock and Rolla. Oh, and Eastern uh, Promises? Any Guy Ritchie movie yeah. makes it look like... London is full of Russians. M- movie recommendation, though. Eastern Promises with Viggo Mortensen. Ah, he clips that guy's thumbs off in that movie, though. That really... Ugh. That, that's Russian as shit. It does sound pretty Russian. Can we give a shout-out to Mitt Romney? Oliver! <laughs> wrong point in the process! That's it. You know what? Fine. It's, We're moving to shout Fine. Shout-outs! Oliver, thank you for beckoning that we are ushering <laughs> us into shout-outs. Okay, wait. Well, let's just say the obvious crap. Blue Hawaii. Oliver. All right, Oliver, shout out. Uh, Oliver Randall. Yeah. 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 All right. Thank you for coming on the show. Blue Hawaii. Brewing beers in the paradise city where the beers are mean and the girls are pretty. Oh, won't you please grow my periods? Brewing beers in the paradise city where the beers are mean and the girls are pretty. Oh, won't you please grow my periods? Homebrew in Paradise, 744 Vaughn Street, Kulihikai. Oliver, shout outs. Mitt Romney. Okay. I, I'm shouting out him because back when he was campaigning to be president, he was asked which country on earth represents the biggest geopolitical threat. He said Russia. And we laughed. We were thinking Iran. We were thinking North Korea. I laughed. And right. in fact, and, the and, entire Democratic establishment yeah. laughed. And Uncle Barry, to his credit, had a, had a pretty sick burn. He was like, well, the same reason we don't was because we don't have any uh, horses and bayonets, Governor. And I was like, ha ha, suck it. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, we should have listened to Mitt Romney. We should have listened to Mitt Romney on some things. Yeah. Oliver, it looked like you had another shout out a minute ago. Who, who Go ahead. Out? Oh, it's your always, show. Always Coca-Cola. So Atlanta is... That is their slogan. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. It's so apt. What yeah. great advertising. <laughs> Why are you shouting them out? Because it's the real thing. Uh, no. <laughs> no, because they essentially pay my salary. So Atlanta is Coke country. And, basic- and we mean that in several ways. Yeah. If you go to the northern parts of Atlanta, Buckhead specifically, it is no. definitely from the north, Coke yeah, country. That way. Yeah. But yes, Emery, we're very grateful for the amount of money that Coca-Cola has given us. All the buildings are named after different CEOs of Coke. That's good. And I that that is a drink that I love. Coca Cola, always. All right, Coca Cola. If you're if you're listening, we love a sponsorship. Yeah. Even if you just give us a banner like you always do for uh, rec league baseball down south, I'll take it. Josh, you got any shout outs? Shout out Liverpool Football Club advancing to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Well, they'll take on Manchester City. Uh, Manchester United got knocked out. However. Liverpool legend, former captain, now uh, presenter on Sky Sports, Jamie Carragher, well, was suspended from the Monday Night Football broadcast of between not the same thing, not the same thing, but they also have football on Monday nights. Essentially, he was suspended after a man filmed the analyst spitting at his car. Uh, the the act was filmed by a man who taunted the former Liverpool and England defender following Manchester United's two one victory against Liverpool last Saturday. Carragher, aged forty. Objected to the taunts by the man, who remains unidentified, and responded by spitting at his car. The spit hit a 14-year-old girl in the passenger seat. In his appearance on Sky News, Carragher said he has spoken to both the man and his daughter by telephone and apologized for his actions. And 
I'll do this in the Jamie Carragher accent. Some moments of madness, really. It's really difficult for me to explain. Watching those clips back, it feels almost like an out-of-body thing. A moment of madness for four or five seconds. No matter what the circumstances are for anyone, you can't ever behave like that. It's totally unacceptable. You're thinking to yourself, why do you react like that? Again, I've got no excuse. It's devastating for the family involved. And I think about my own family. And it's down to my actions that have brought that on. And how would you rate my Liverpool accent on a scale of 1 to 10? I'll give you a chili pepper. Ah, okay, I'll take that's it. That's pretty sexy. I'll take Shout it. Shout out to Hawaii State Representative Sean Quinlan, man of the people. We're only halfway through the 2018 Hawaii legislative session, but already I have a favorite quote from one of our lawmakers. Quote, I like to drink beer in the ocean. I think a lot of people like to drink beer in the ocean. This bill is an overreaction. Shout out to Pogrom Party. According to the New York Metro, a company called One Before is building what it calls a Jewish escape room, offering a Meshuggah amount of family fun and inspiration at 1905 Avenue M in Brooklyn's Midwood neighborhood. Except, the experience takes the concept of an escape room very literally and hinges on time travel that takes you to, among other places, 19th century Russia, where you will be tasked with escaping a pogrom. Good luck. For those unfamiliar with the ugly history of being Jewish in Russia, a pogrom is a large organized mob that would torture and kill Jewish people and loot their homes in the 19th century. We're going to party like it's 1895. The owner also revealed that, quote, there's a second escape room in the works at the same location, which is expected to open in the fall and sounds equally problematic. The second room we will open in the same space starts chronologically in the Warsaw Ghetto right after the Holocaust and moves 20 generations into the past. Essentially, a group of Jews locked in an unescapable room guarded by unseen authorities. What could possibly go wrong? So, if listeners, if you're in New York and you happen to go check out this attraction and survive, let us know. Shout uh, out to the Meek Mill profile in Rolling Stone. Hashtag free Meek Mill by Paul Solodorov. Quote, brutally beaten by rogue cops, the jailed rapper has become a cause. And in an exclusive interview from prison, he speaks out and looks ahead. Quote, how is the public interest served? Since 2008, Meek Mill hasn't been convicted of so much as a misdemeanor. He made some unwise choices involving dirt bikes and drugs, but if those are disqualifying offenses these days, then which rap star would escape hanging? Meanwhile, absent rulings from a higher court, he'll sit in his cell until someone in power, the governor, attorney general, or Philly DA, musters the will to say enough. Go check that Rolling Stone article, people. It's amazing. It's a super in-depth uh, depiction. There's some horrible stuff going on in Philly uh, and basically in our criminal justice system around the country. Read it. Let us know what you think. Rest in peace, Stephen Hawking. Passed away uh, this week. My favorite quote or my favorite Stephen Hawking story I saw. He once ran over Prince Charles' toes with his wheelchair. Uh, then later expressed regret that he didn't get the chance to do it to Margaret Thatcher. So he's okay in my book. Fun fact, when Margaret Thatcher died, she was a very divisive prime minister. And the song Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead yeah. went to number one in the charts that week. That's a fantastic piece of trivia, yeah. Oliver. Shout out and RIP to Rex Tillerson's time at the State Department. Uh, <laughs> everyone's happy that you're gone, but please do not let us hire John Bolton. And also, marking a note, this is definitely not a shout out. Uh, yesterday is the 50th anniversary of the My Lai Massacre in Vietnam. And... Since you mentioned John Bolton, it be and sort of behooves us to, as we prepare to possibly commit war, more atrocities, uh, we should look back and try to learn from the past ones. And maybe don't do that shit. Today is also, or this week also marked the second anniversary of the Merrick Garland nomination. 
You'll remember Merrick Garland as the centrist judge that Republicans blocked because they could, and then accused the Democrats later of blocking everything, despite the fact that Republicans have a majority in every House of Congress. Isn't politics fun? Oliver, any, any more shout-outs? Shout no. All right. Well, what we're going to do then is our restaurant recommendations of the week. Josh, what do you got? I am going to do a preemptive restaurant rec to a place I'm going tonight that I've never been, but I'm going to put them out on blast right now, and I hope they come through. Who's that? 12th Avenue Grill. Oh, you're not going to be disappointed. You think so? Oh, it's delicious. Boom. Get boom, the pork boom. chop. We're, uh, I'm going to get the corned beef. They're doing a St. Patty's Day thing. Shout out Robert Zane for telling me to get the pork chop. Okay. Robbie Robert, Zane, Robbie friend Zane. of the show. Robbie Zane, yep. friend of the show. Friend Good. of the show. I'm going to tag him. Uh, I'm going to tag him. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. My restaurant shout out of the week is going to be Broken Rice in Kaimuki. Uh, it is a Vietnamese restaurant where they serve everything but pho. Uh, so all the other stuff in Vietnamese cuisine. What is but pho? <laughs> they serve <laughs> they serve everything but pho style. No. What is but pho style? Uh, that's whenever you go to prison. No, I'm kidding. Uh, everything but pho. And uh, it's delicious. It's lettuce wraps. It's very nicely cooked meat with vegetables and herbs. It's just delicious. It's really, really divine. I've never really had it anywhere else. And uh, they all they serve everything with broken rice, which is basically the rice that wasn't good enough to air for normal consumers. Ollie, restaurant right. shout-outs. You've been here a week and a half. What's your favorite? Yeah. So I've had I've eaten very well, but last night I was at um, Hilo Airport, and I had delicious chili and rice and garlic bread and. Nutella with breadsticks to dip in, and it was excellent. That was at the Hilo Airport. Hilo Airport. Hilo Airport. There's basically only one place to eat. You can't miss it. Good for you, Hilo Airport. Keep um, it up. Shout out Hilo Airport dining recommendations. Yeah. yeah. Reasonably priced. Reasonably priced. Mm. Something you cannot say about our Honolulu Airport. No. Anything else, boys? What are your thoughts on Jeremy Corbyn, Ollie? Not a fan. Not a fan? All no. right. That's the Blue Hawaii Podcast, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Oh, one, uh, rest in peace to uh, legendary Hawaiian music singer, performer, renaissance man, Peter Moon, who passed away this week. And we're going to take you out with one of his songs. Aloha. Aloha.
your destiny that older voices call and drown your laughter but I believe you Just what you'd have to be Maybe can in the storm To guide us after How I am so Yeah.